Hey. Hello. Guess what film we're talking about today? Well, I know. I saw it. I'll give you a clue. (laughs) What a horrific way to start a sound in someone's ears. Somebody might be wearing headphones or something. (laughs) We're talking about The Big Sick, which is a really horrible name for a film. Yep. But it was quite a good film. But before we get into that, I want to tell you some stories about times that I've been sick. Wait, can we <laughs> like hear from the people who recommended this film? No, not yet. This is more important. Oh, <laughs> okay. Settle in, everyone. <laughs> All right. My first sick story is um, <laughs> I've got two. When when I was in year six, um, I was very sick and. We, in our assembly, all the year sixes got chairs, like, in a sort of horseshoe shape. The chair was in a horseshoe <laughs> shape. <or laughs> like a, sem- like a semicircle. The chairs were arranged in a horseshoe <laughs> yeah. shape. Yeah. Okay. Not a circle. Oh, this is a tangent of a tangent. So I was on a chair. All the other kids were on the floor. Um, yeah. Then I was sick on a kid's hair. No. <laughs> it was really gross. And I felt bad for her. It was like a little reception kit. Oh. Imagine just getting sick on from above. That is your worst and first I, day at school ever. I isn't feel it? like that was she had the worst time than I did. Yeah, she did. That is bad. And my other sick story was when I was sixteen I went on my unicycle with my friends, went for a little cycle. And then I was just walking for a bit because I was tired. And then this guy was like, oh, let's see. And being the show off that I am, you got are. on, um, cycled along and then tried to look behind me to see if he was watching Dangerous. Uh, fell off, dislocated my elbow, had to go to the hospital, went to the children's ward because uh, I was 16. Um, oh, and they had like a clown to entertain us, which is sort of, Ironic that I fell off in, in like a clown related <laughs> <laughs> injury. Yeah. Anyway, my mum got me a Mackie's because it was like past dinner time and um had that you know, that nice Mackie's pink milkshake, the strawberry milkshake. Oh. Then I had some painkillers, then I was sick, a big pink sick. Oh yuck. Welcome to the big sick. We're gonna stop talking about sick now because the film's not actually about puking at all. I don't think there's any vomiting in the film. No. But we've managed to fill this section of the podcast all about vomiting. I don't regret it. So shall we hear from the people who recommended this film to us? Yes, we shall. Great. Here's Hair from Hair, Beard, Bald. Hey guys, this is Big Steve here from the Hair, the Beard and the Bald podcast. Just want to give you a quick introduction to ourselves. We basically scour the plethora of streaming services in order to bring the best films that are available to stream. Every episode we do is themed and we bring three films to the table. We laugh, we chat and we ridicule each other's choices and then we put the power in our listeners' hands. Our listeners let us know which film they've chosen to watch and whoever on the podcast has the lowest watch movie recommendations will have to do a forfeit at the end of the season. Now, the film that we've chosen for you guys to watch and to critique is from our Streaming Services Originals episode, and the film is called The Big Sick. It is a very undiscovered film. It's a very, uh, you know, not a lot of people have seen it. 
but it is a beautiful film. It's so well written, and um, for myself, it was I, it came across my radar. So it was uh, snubbed at the Oscars um, for not you know for not being uh, in the nominated for writers category. It is a true story romantic comedy uh, written by and starring Kumail Nanjiani. Uh, he's a stand-up comedian, and it's a story about how he met his wife. It is also produced by Judd Apatow. Now, if you know Judd Apatow, his stuff is fantastic. He's involved with you know, pretty much every comedy. You're looking at Step Brothers, you're looking at uh, Bridesmaids, Anchorman, all of that kind of stuff. And the most re- recently, the critically acclaimed King of Staten Island. So it is a, a great combination of Judd Apatow's production um, and, and, of course, the writing and the trueness of Kamal Nanjiani and the story of how he met his wife. Kamal Nanjiani, uh, as a stand-up comedian, battles with the, his Pakistani heritage what, and his family in that sort of uh, arranged marriage lifestyle, but while also trying to live this American dream, wants to be a stand-up comedian, meeting girls in that that sort of American, you know, American way or n- non-traditional uh, family, his family way. And it, it's all about him battling that. And it has this almost like a little bit of a sense of, you know, Richard Curtis element to it where you could almost think this would could be a British comedy. Um, but it's very... Oh, it's it's just it's just a lovely, wonderful film. There are moments in it where you'll think it's this is a bit uncomfortable, which is quite nice and real, but it's just hilarious and so well written. I will apologise to you guys from the offset that it does not star Alan Rickman, so it'll probably already be knocked down a few points in your eyes. Uh, but we really hope you enjoy. Anybody wants to check out the hair, the beard, and the bald? We're available on all of the good podcasting platforms also on social media hairbeardbald on twitter and instagram and also you can email us hairbeardbald at gmail.com hope you guys enjoy and we'll speak to you soon take care thanks guys they they also do a film podcast we've mentioned them before and they do this sort of little competition they all the three of them pick a film and then they decide whose is the best and the person whose is the worst has to do a forfeit. Yes. We recommended a forfeit once. I still don't know if he's eating his own testicle. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, they they have picked this film for us. What did you think? I thought it was good, actually. Yes, overall good. Six out of ten. Is that your is that your good six out of ten? Yeah, that's only slightly more than meh. Six point three out of ten. <laughs> like you know, I didn't. I I won't. I won't raving about it. I don't think it's like the greatest film I've seen, but it was good. It was. There were moments of funny. There were moments of compassion. Considering it was a rom com. I think that is a high praise from you. Yeah, I think I expected more com, to be honest. Yeah, there wasn't that much rom or com. That is a good description of it. So (laughs) it stars Kumail Nanjiani, who is a Pakistani-born American comedian and actor. And I was sure I'd seen some of his comedy before. I think I have, but like a long time ago when I just watched YouTube comedy videos... Before you married a comedian and, then and I got your comedy from me. Yeah. Now I watch <laughs> YouTube affirmation videos. 
<laughs> so sorry. Am I? Anyway. <laughs> um I don't know what I was saying. Oh yeah, so I've seen some of his comedy and I liked it. I thought it was I thought it was fine. But I sort of went into this thinking this is written by a stand up comedian and his wife. This is gonna be funny. Funny, funny, funny stuff. And there were one or two funnies in it, but I expected like fifty funnies. Mm. Yeah, it's a fairly realistic film, which I kind of like. I don't like the too much Hollywood. It's too predictable. And it definitely wasn't like that kind of cliched sort of thing because it was a true story, which I do like. I do like true stories. Yeah, it's based on how he and his wife got together with, I think large portions of it are based on truth. Some of it is sexed up for the for the narrative but um yeah i i think the way you said it you know it's not really not much rom or com it's a kind of semi-autobiographical film about these two people who fall in love and then a lady the the lady gets very ill yeah but she never pukes she's in a coma which is like a higher level than puking yeah. on the illness scale. Several levels higher, I'm a doctor, <laughs> don't you know? I don't know. I do like a true film, though. Like I feel like every film that isn't a true story, which is most of them, should say at the end, this was all lies. Because <laughs> <laughs> you know, like they say, oh, this is a true story at the end of true stories. And I don't think they should tell lies anymore and i think we should all refer to stories <laughs> as lies sorry sorry let's go uh back a minute there you don't think they should tell lies anymore who everyone I, yeah i just think there's enough real like how long has the world been on for oh i mean <laughs> certainly at least a while yeah and i think there's a lot of there's a lot of good stories interesting stuff that's happened until we've told all of those stories we shouldn't be making up lies for films wow <laughs> i mean on one hand <laughs> i could describe that as a complex position on the other hand i could just say you are a wally like <laughs> what are you talking about they've had billions of years of world so let's have the years of billions of stories first before we go on with all this made-up nonsense about people falling in love and stuff <laughs> no but people have fallen in love in real life so every film that has people falling in love is based on truth. There you go. <laughs> That's me patting you on the shoulder. Sorted. Move on. I quite enjoyed the film. Good. Good. I think on paper, it is my absolute ideal film. Like, I like a rom-com, but I don't like too obvious. I think, like, the religion and race kind of thing makes it a bit more interesting. Mm-hmm. I'm a comedian. I know. Considering all that, I didn't like Super Amazing Love It. I liked it. I'd give it I'd give it a seven point five. Whoa, seven point five, that's a definite thumb up. Yeah. It's not two thumbs up. <laughs> One and a half you thumbs, think? isn't it? Is it? <laughs> well yeah, if two thumbs up is ten out of ten, yeah. then seven point five is one and a half thumbs. Okay, I suppose <laughs> you've masked me there. So I went in blind. I didn't know anything <laughs> <Dan> about... 
Jonathan took his glasses off. The <laughs> I shut my eyes and just had an audio book for a while. What I mean to say is that I didn't know anything about the film before it started. So even on the, I only found out on the day it was Kumal Nanjiani, and I've heard of him. I was like, I hadn't okay. heard of him. Okay, you know, I I watched a lot of YouTube comedy videos. That's basically what I did instead of getting a degree. And I, I'd i heard of him and I thought it was okay. And then I thought, okay, this will be interesting. And he sort of plays a fictionalised version of himself, an Uber driver who meets this girl while he's trying stand-up. And they fall in love a bit. Then they fall out of love because he hasn't told his strict Muslim Pakistani family that he's dating a white girl, a white woman, and she's not pleased about that. No, which is understandable. I feel like you couldn't make the film the other way around. If it was like a white person okay, then started dating a Pakistani and then the family were not cool about that, that would be like awkward. Racism! Yeah, whereas that way around it's somehow not racism and it's not really because it's more complex than that it's more it's a bit more to do with religion the race yeah so i read a bit about him um about the film and he i think now describes himself as an atheist um but his family he was born in karachi Pakistan, his family are very Muslim and very traditional, even though they moved. And, uh, you know, that's a big, like I grew up in a traditional Christian religious family. That's a big thing. It's a big part of the family. And it would be a big deal if you left it. Yes. For your family. It would, yeah, yeah. So I I I sort of understood some of that. Um... Yeah. yeah. Do you know what I didn't know until recently about Muslims compared to Christianity? Nope. And I'm just a little caveat before I say this. I don't know if that's the right word. Yeah, caveats. Uh... We'll see. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. That, I don't know what I'm about to say. <laughs> caveat uh, is a word. My knowledge of Islam is mainly based on my, my one Muslim friend. So this might not be true. Um, but she now. said that her getting into heaven or whatever they call heaven is based on her children's faith. So if her children decide not to be Muslim, then she'll go to hell. And that is different to Christianity. Yikes. So that is like, that's high pressure. Yeah. And if you truly believe that, obviously you can start to understand why it would be a big deal for someone to decide not to be a Muslim. Yeah, that yikes was like that's a lot of pressure on a on a person to to believe that well mm. I did not I don't I thought know. that yikes was you were talking about that pencil from the nineties. What are you talking about? <laughs> There's this pencil that everyone used to have in the nineties called Yikes pencils and they were like quite colourful pencils. They're all the rage. Pencil chat. <laughs> it's important. Um, do you have any favourite lines from the film, my love? Because I think there were a few. Uh, there were a few yeah, good ones. Um, I liked the offensive joke <laughs> when um, 
when her parents start talking to the guy. What's his name? Kumail. Yeah. It's like really awkward and they're like, so what do you think about 9-11? Like as if that's an opener, like quite early on when you meet somebody who isn't white. Um, And he went, oh yeah, it was really sad. We lost 19 of our best guys. I thought that was a good joke. Yeah. Um, That was a good joke. I wondered if that was from his stand-up. I felt like I'd heard that before. Um, But it was a, a cracking thing and... Uh, well delivered. Apparently, in real life, because obviously the actors um, are playing his w- real life wife's real life parents, uh, they never had that conversation. No, oh, shame. That, no. Well, yeah, but that's understandable. Yeah. I've got another quote. Mm-hmm. I liked, it's not like funny, but I just thought it was interesting. When he shouted at her, Aren't you a therapist? You're supposed to be able to cope with this. When like mid argument, that whole argument moment, I felt like this happens a lot to me in films. I am a more natural listener than a talker, and I just feel like sometimes all these arguments in films, if you just stopped for a minute and weren't an awful dick, <laughs> if you didn't just launch into shouting at someone and you just went, take a breath, listen, okay, you know. You'd have cut. You could have cut twenty minutes out of the runtime of the film and all that pain out of your thing. Like it'd be like a really boring film though if they just got on fine all the way through. And they were considerate. <laughs> like that's not films. I know, but it's just part of my part of my brain or my personality or whatever. When I wa- I watch that, just goes stop being an idiot. You're being you're being an idiot. You're overreacting. You're being unreasonable. You're in the wrong. Stop it, both of you. Stop it. <laughs> like I want to climb into the screen, get into the middle of this fictional couple, and be like, "Hey, stop it! You're hurting each other. It's not good for you." Um, we do have quite constructive arguments. I think that. Is no, we don't. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, the worst part about <laughs> arguing with you is every time I talk about the WHO. <laughs> 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 The World Health Organization, and you just go, who? <laughs> oh, I'm hilarious. <laughs> that happened like three times today. <laughs> I was trying to say something about the news. Don't talk about the WHO. You were like, who? <laughs> like some kind of owl that's trying to scare me. I do think it's really funny. <laughs> that's the abbreviation thingy. <laughs> <laughs> That isn't I'm so sweaty in my pyjamas and then my onesie and then my blanket over the top. I'm freezing cold, but good. <laughs> you you sweat and laugh yourself to, to happy land. Um, <sighs> yeah, no, that, that was an interesting moment because she's training to be a therapist. She's divorced and he is being set up the whole time whilst they're dating... He's being set up by his mom and his parents with all these eligible Pakistani girls. Yeah, how do they find that many Pakistani women in that neighbourhood? Like, I feel like they might not have all been from the, the neighbourhood. There's like w- a new one every week, all like attractive women. Were like, how are they doing that? Why? Why do you want a queue of attractive <laughs> women every week in your house? 
Oh, I'm just so bored of this pandemic. <laughs> I'd even take moderately attractive people to come to the house. <laughs> it's got quite a good cast, you know. Or rather, it has got a good cast. And I thought especially the lady playing Emily, Zoe Kazan. I thought she was great. I thought she was yeah. really good. Do you know the real life lady auditioned for that role, but she didn't get it? I don't think that's true. No, that is true. I read an interview, read an excerpt of an interview, and she said she didn't want to be in it. She was happy not to be in it. Yeah, I think that's also true, but she did audition. Wow. She she auditioned and then sort of decided that, you know, she oh, she didn't do well in the audition. She's not an actress, and I think she was then happy to not be in it because she's still involved in the film and in the writing of it and stuff. Hmm. I think the audition process helped her to realise that it was better to get someone else in. But she did audition for it. That must suck. Like, you got to think, if I'm qualified to play any role in the world, <laughs> it's the role of myself. And then to be like, okay, some other woman that looks a bit like her is now kissing her husband. Like, that must be so weird to be like... She didn't get through the audition, so someone else has to snog her husband. Who would you cast to play yourself in the film of your life? Who do I get to snog? Oh, I'm joking. Who looks a bit like me? I'd cast someone really ugly. <laughs> <laughs> because, not even for that, ugly actresses, if I've learned anything through this podcast, is that ugly actresses don't get enough roles. Okay, I like it. It's an empowerment piece. Because <laughs> you are not hideously ugly, let's be clear. Oh, thanks, love. <laughs> How ugly am I? I'd say you're, you know, you're a solid 6.3 out of 7. <laughs> out of 6.4? What were we saying? I've no idea. We're chatting nonsense again. No, the cast, I was talking about the cast. Bo Burnham plays his friend CJ. Um, Bo Burnham has got a a few excellent comedy specials. Thank you. I think they're funny. real life friends. I think they got some real life friends in to play their friends. That would make sense to me. Yeah. What I thought was not realistic is when you are on the comedy circuit, which I was before this pandemic, mm -hmm. you don't just play the same club every week. And even if you did, it's not the same people. It's not the same, like, five people in the same club telling the same jokes. That makes no sense. Like, you go... Most of comedy is driving for miles and miles to go to gigs for, like, less than... Getting paid less than what you're spending in petrol. Yes. Maybe America is a different scene. It is a bit of a different scene. They don't get... Ten minutes is standard time in the UK to get on a open spot, but... It's, mm -hmm. it's a lot less in America. Did you feel that portrayed what you experience in comedy green rooms? Um, from my experience in comedy green rooms, I would first of all say their green lo room looked a bit too nice. <laughs> okay. I've been in one or two nice ones. A really nice one in the Comedy Store Manchester. That was very fancy. It had that mirror with the lights around and I felt like a, a movie star. Lovely. But mostly, or sometimes they're not even rooms. They're just like a corner of the bar yeah. but I think most of the time the ones that I go in are like a slightly sectioned off area but when they have been proper rooms they're not that nice so 
I went to the green room of Hot Water Comedy Club, which is a big Liverpool comedy club. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, it was like all blokes and me. That was kind of uh, realistic on the film. There was the one token woman. <laughs> and they said, there was like a little toilet in the green room. And they said, like, sectioned off, not just... <laughs> it was the corner of the bar and they just got a bucket. <laughs> um, they said, by the way, guys, like, don't poo in this toilet. But, like, wees are fine. So I went in for a wee. There was no light. Oh. Which, like, it's still possible to wee with no light. Had a wee. And then turned out there was also no toilet paper. But they hadn't said that because they're not... Because men just waggle it, don't they? <laughs> <laughs> and they hadn't said, oh, by the way, if you're a woman doing a wee, don't. It was too late. Can't you just waggle it and just you know, <laughs> waggle the drips off? But then the next time, to be fair to them, the next time I went back to that same green room, they had a light and they even had a sanitary bin. And I was like, whoa, I tweeted them about it. It probably came off like really sarcastic, but I was genuinely impressed. Good work. Yeah. That's how you improve. That's wonderful. I, I like that that story had a happy ending <laughs> and not just like, and so I sacrificed a pair of pants to wipe myself and I never go there. No, in most green rooms, people have a chat with each other. I'd say 50% of comedians show off about what they've achieved and try and like big up themselves. There's not mm-hmm. many comedians that are like good listeners. <laughs> A lot of the time people are just on their phones. I'm sometimes mistaken as a girlfriend of a comedian because that's like more likely than an actual woman comedian. (laughs) I'm so sorry. (laughs) They meet in the film and apparently... I don't, did you check this? They meet in the film because she heckles him. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, with that same line as well. So he said, anyone in from Pakistan? And no one said anything. And she just went, woo! <laughs> so that, I like that, that that was true. I like that. That that d- displays a certain confidence. Um, yeah, well, just no one was saying anything. So she just thought it would be funny. I think, though, it exposed... It's very different... Um, in America, with hecklers, as I understand it, they don't really go in for hecklers. It's not an, it's not like a nice thing. It's not something you do. Whereas I think in Britain, there's a lot more of kind of a culture of shouting out and yeah, trying to join Yeah, and in. often it just really ruins it. Often hecklers are just drunk people. If you do more than one heckle, you're an idiot. You're just, you're ruining it. Yeah, I remember when we went to see Ross Noble in the Empire. Oh, yeah. And uh, this lady shouted out, hey, Ross, I'm that woman from that last gig who weed in a bin. I think it takes a special level of nutter to disclose that one time at one gig, but follow to another gig and re-disclose. Like, that's... um, That was the first comedy gig I ever saw. Was it? That was when you were into comedy and I wasn't bothered at all by comedy and I got you them tickets because we were in that relationship stage where I was trying to impress you. Wow, glad that ended. And that, <laughs> that all backfired. Backfired how? 
you're now I'm a comedian and you're just the spouse of a comedian. <laughs> <laughs> Look at me, the lowliest spouse of a comedian. <laughs> I don't I don't know if it backfired. You did steal comedy from me, but it's not really that I ever owned comedy. Do you know what? After this big break, I don't know if I can go back to it. Okay. So why don't you become a comedian now? Shall I do all your material? As a ginger <laughs> myself, I feel that, um, you know, red squirrels, they're the good ones. But what happened one day, I'm going to go grey. And uh, Very I just well done. <laughs> Thank Hilarious. You. <laughs> oh. you did do a set once. When, I when I started out, we started out together, we both did five minutes. I've done four or five sets. Thank you very much. Like, I think I enjoy the crafting of the words. I also enjoy improvisation. So I briefly had an improvised comedy podcast a while back in, like, 2018. Whoa. History. Wow. The past. Um, And I like improv. I like cooking things up together. Yeah, you are good at that. And you're good at helping me work through my stuff listening to basically a crap version of it and making it good i like that bit that's the fun bit where you try and like michelangelo the rock into a sculpture thanks you're welcome uh you heard it all here guys i'm the reason she's funny yep that's what (laughs) she just said oh now we have to uh talk about that time that 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 friend that anonymous friend (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> said something very sexist is this that story about Luke <laughs> yeah we shan't tell him <laughs> he once back in the day <laughs> said of to course me we're gonna tell it. <laughs> said to me oh honey you're very funny Dan must be rubbing off on you that was before we were married so I was doing School no you, rubbing Luke. of any kind <laughs> <laughs> shall we try and talk about the film a little bit yeah so what happens in the film is that they break up and then she gets very poorly and the doctors don't know what it is and she ends up in hospital and it's like midnight and wait is he having a uh, is he sleeping with another lady and he gets the call oh yeah i've forgotten that bit yeah so she's in a coma this is the bit that i found slightly unrealistic that why is he getting a phone call from one of her friends to say she's in a coma and he goes in? Like, that seems they a did, little bit odd. They did try and explain it away. So a friend rings up and says, can you go and sit with her? We've all got exams tomorrow. Oh, yeah. And her parents live out of town. You know, they're on their way. Oh, and can you phone her parents, in fact? So he goes and oh, sits yeah. with her... Um, while she's in a coma and uh, like looks out for her and phones her parents. I thought that conversation was interesting. I don't know mm. how I would do it, but he starts with, I just want to say she's fine. <laughs> you know, when you're phoning someone at one o'clock in the morning about their daughter. She's fine. She's totally fine, but uh, they're going to put her into a coma. Yeah. You've had to phone coma. my parents. Well, like after I've given birth. Is that anything the same or not? Because that's kind of happy. No, that was totally nice. They they were expecting the call, and it was, hey, you know, we just. It was had still a awkward kid. though when he said the name. Well, Samuel's a nice name. <laughs> that's 
That's what my mum said. Samuel's a nice name. That's our child's middle name. <laughs> They're great grandparents, and I'm really thankful for. They're the not work. great grandparents. Comedian. <laughs> I'm really grateful for all the work and time they spent with the kids and all that kind of stuff. But Sue's first reaction was, "How do you spell that?" When I said Percy's first name, and that's that's a nice kind try attempt at like. <laughs> No, 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 no. No, 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 no. Um, But that was a nice experience. But he has to phone up, Kumail has to phone up Emily's parents and say, she's in a coma, she's in a hospital, you need to come now kind of thing. And in the film, they've broken up and uh, Emily has told her parents about why they've broken up and how he was hiding their relationship from his parents so that is that is an awkward time and it's awkward for a few days between the three of them it's kind of always awkward even though they get to sort of know him and like him a bit later on there's still then the awkward bit like when the the dad her dad like goes a bit crazy and then starts talking to Kamal like he's a counselor yeah so in the film the dad, played by Ray Romano, who is a big American comedy name that you have never heard of. I don't know much about American comics. He he had a big, famous sitcom called Everybody Loves Ray. And at one point he says in the film, oh, I haven't been a co- to a comedy club since the 80s, which I thought was a nice little subtle reference to his heyday. Anyway, uh, yeah, he he's cheated on his wife once, and so there's friction there, and they're not entirely friends. They're not sleeping in the same bed. So he goes back so to... So there's no friction there. Oi, oi. <laughs> the oi, oi really made that for me, <laughs> thanks. Uh, um, so he goes back to Kumail's place and reveals to Kumail that he's cheated, and he says something like, you'll know the woman you want to spend the rest of your life with when you cheat on her. Yeah, which is like terrible relationship and advice. Kamal's like, so I have to cheat on her to know? You know, they have this kind of interaction that is almost funny and kind of true. And I feel like that summarises a lot of the film for me. You know, it's it's almost funny and it's sort of, most of it rings true. Yeah, yeah, it is lifelike, but that's because it was based on real life. Do you know the thing that wasn't real life is that this actually happened like, 10 years ago but they decided to set it in the present day because 10 years ago is not enough long ago to make it obviously a different time like you don't really wear particularly different clothes yeah it was too hard to set it 10 years ago and they also they made him an uber driver because in real life he had like an office job uber is a convenient job that he can just sort of drop and and it was funny when she phones an uber and he's the Uber driver. Yes. I enjoyed that. I think it made sense as a sort of present day tale. Um, I learnt that in real life they hadn't broken up when oh, she right. when she was in her but coma. I think the relationship had reached a kind of... Well, she I saw an interview with them and she said the relationship had reached a kind of stalemate of like he had... he wasn't sure because of the family thing and or wasn't telling the family and she thought that was very important so it had reached a 
yeah a weird point that sort of makes more sense why he would be in the hospital if they hadn't broken up yeah i read a little bit so he he had met her parents once or twice and then spent in real life it's about 12 days she was in the hospital in a coma um and he spent a very intense 12 days with her parents like yeah. Trying to hope that she would come through. Yeah, it must be pretty disconcerting to go from, you know, to sort of close your eyes one minute and to wake up 12 days later with no yeah. recollection of that. Really and to not even know it's 12 days later, to just know it's a period of time later and my parents are in the room or whatever, you know, like. But I think for him, that time, like, made him realise what's important in life and that he did love her but then she didn't have all that thinking time it's she was blink. saying like in real life she people expected her to wake up and be like so happy to be alive but you wouldn't wake up being happy to be alive if you didn't know what had gone on yeah if you just wake up like you wake up every morning you don't immediately go oh i am glad to be alive this morning <laughs> yeah. well not not most mornings for me personally it takes a bit longer for that stuff to kick in, I think, really. Yeah. Do you know, in real life, they got married three months later after she woke up, which is crazy. That's they just stopped everything they were doing and, like, job-wise and stuff, and they just were like, okay, this is the important thing, let's get married. I think that feels like what happens sometimes when you... Wh- what I hear about sometimes when yeah. somebody has a... A near-death experience. And that feels, like, nice. I sort of wish that it didn't take a near-death experience for people to go, like, for me to be able to go, you know what, actually, sack this. I'm quitting that, stopping this. This is what's important, you know, for that, to have that laser focus on life and love or whatever. Yeah, like, I had cancer, but it wasn't bad enough (laughs) to to, to give that, like... Life changing new perspective. Wow, uh, <laughs> what what an interesting way to phrase it, love. I was, was going to ask really you. Annoying. <laughs> we did book a holiday after that. That you know that when we went in a camper van around France and Spain, we booked that. After I was a bit better from that. I was going to ask you about waking <laughs> up from general anaesthetic and all this kind of stuff, but you didn't have cancer enough. <laughs> I I just felt I had a really dry throat. I think I was sick like straight away. Oh, more sick. Another sick story we haven't told you yet. It might have been a green sick or something. Like, um, I just felt horrible. But I was was glad to be alive because I knew I was going under for an operation. And I was really scared of, like... A few people have told me when you have an operation and you go in general anaesthetic, it's like no time has passed and you're just, like, you're awake. Wow. And that really creeped me out going under that it would just be like a second had passed and then I'd be awake. But I don't feel like it was like that. I felt like it was like a sleep. But I knew where I I knew where I was, I think. I it was grim though. For a few days it was really like it was really painful and really horrible. Yeah. That's uh not a time that I look back on especially fondly. Mostly because it didn't give you a renewed perspective on life. <laughs> no, because it wasn't bad enough. <laughs> It, I did a, li- a little bit. Uh, maybe I was going to ask you all these deep questions, but maybe we'll save that for actually having a conversation about <laughs> it rather than just having a giggle on mic. Would you like to do a quick 
credits shout out? Yes, let's do a credit shout out. Great. It's time for the credit shout out. Shout out, shout out. That's what this podcast is all about. We big up a person with a silly job or name. Like shoe coordinator. This is bound to lead to their future fame. Racist heckler, played by Spencer House. Well in Spencer House. Um, you really smashed that, you racist. Who go- I wonder if you go in and you're like, your agent's got you the part. You're like, I've got a great role for you. You're perfect for this part. <laughs> <laughs> racist heckler. You're a chunky white guy. You're a big, tall white guy. You're going to be the racist. And yeah, poor guy. I hope he gets more work. Um, there was a comedy consultant on this. His name is Kurt Brownola. Brownola? Yeah, let's say it's that. And uh, I thought, this guy's a stand-up comedian. And he's working with Judd Apatow, who's a producer, who's also a stand-up. There was Bo Burnham, there was Ray Romano. What is a comedy consultant? I don't know. How do you get that job? I fancy that. Yeah. I'm like your comedy consultant. Yeah. There you go. Somebody hire me to be a comedy consultant. You are good. Oh, thanks, love. Somebody hire me to be <laughs> a comedy... <laughs> um, let's just go around that loop a few times. A bit of affirmation, that'd be nice. Were there any... I think there were some real doctors, weren't there? There was uh, an ICU nurse advisor, Liz Burns. Mm. ICU, not Burns unit, though, so... Mm. feel a bit sad for that. Was that a real illness? I imagine they just used Still's the disease. that she really had. It's the real disease, so it's... It sounds, sounds made up, though, doesn't it? Like, oh, what should we call this disease where you just don't do anything? Still's disease? Have you still got a disease? Adult onset stills disease. And that's why Dan isn't the comedian. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> I got one try at a joke then. Adult onset stills disease is a real disease. It sounds a bit like an autoimmune disease. Your body thinks it's unhealthy when it's healthy. So it's eating itself and hurting itself and trying to heal an illness oh, that doesn't exist. That's sad. Um, so... It's something that they are managing and she has to look after herself for. It's a you know, it's an ongoing lifelong oh, condition so she by still the sounds is of it. Ill. Yeah. So, um that's pretty grim. Yeah. Um so I, I imagine they didn't have to do a huge amount of research about that because she had it. She she has yeah. it, she'll know. The insurance and risk management services provided by Peter A. Marshall. Oh, yeah, that's my granddad's actual name, like the A and everything. A? Imagine if he didn't die, he moved to America and became whatever you just said. Yeah, thanks for listening. <laughs> um, and he's like 110. Yeah. I mean, he'd have to be, yeah, so insurance and risk consultants. There were seven lamp operators. Were there seven lamps? How hard is it to operate a lamp? <laughs> How many lamps were there? Like, what's going on there? Um, it was interesting. This is an Amazon movie. It didn't come out in, in the cinema. I, I don't think. read that it was... Re- I thought it was released. It's sort of an independent movie, and then Amazon bought the rights to it so they could distribute it. Oh, okay. 
What I thought was weird is at the beginning of the film, it said it was a 16. And I was like, what is a 16? That's ridiculous. There's a nice bit at the end of the film. They end the film. He goes to New York. They've taken that 790-mile journey. And... um, He's doing a set on stage in New York. It looked like quite a sort of hipster cafe he was on set in. Yeah. He was on stage yeah. in, sorry. And um, she woos him again. As yeah. in, woo. Not, not in olden, di- olden not day. Currently. I've come to woo you, my man. <laughs> um, and it was a nice little... Yeah, I did really like the ending. And then I'd sort of forgotten, even though it said in the beginning, I think, based on a true story, I'd sort of like forgotten that. And then at the end, they show their real-life wedding photo, and I was like, oh, yeah, it was real. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, I think that made it feel a lot more heartwarming. So at the start, I predicted that they wouldn't be together at the end. Oh, yeah, when our takeaway came, we had a little break. Oh, yeah, that was Which was like a quarter of the way through the film, and we predicted what would happen. Yeah, I predicted they wouldn't be together, and, um, and I was wrong. And I was right. I predicted they'd split up, and then they'd go back to classic classic move oh such a good takeaway though mm. yeah we had Grilla from Allerton yeah, uh, Halloumi I, and Yum yeah uh, the Halloumi rap mm, maybe they could sponsor this podcast if we mention oh, them every time I would love that would that what would that mean what would we get out of that quickly pitch it they give us a free takeaway every time we record oh or every time we watch a film every uh, guy I'm gonna be so fat and we mentioned them. I would happily do that. <laughs> if you're listening, oh, we'll tag them. <laughs> if you're listening, Grilla, we're, we're up for a deal. Big fans. I uh, used to run a comedy night there. Yeah. And then they kicked me out. I don't know why, actually. Yeah, I feel like this... New management. <laughs> they had new management and they decided they didn't want you downstairs in the basement. It was in town, we should say. Yeah. Then I wrote them this really awkward song on our last day there which was <laughs> february a year ago somewhere like you oh uh, yeah it was really good i i did a um adele cover of never mind i'll find like someone you. like you and i didn't tell them i was gonna sing awkward lyrics to them and then i got this guy <laughs> on stage who was really nothing to do with the decision to keep me out and sang this really awkward. You sang Adele at him. We'll have to put the real recording. Oh yeah, we could we could find the recording. Summary, Grilla, we're, we're fans. Thank you. Since lockdown, we've had four or five Grillas, I think, mm. since March last year. So we're not exactly keeping them afloat. But uh, 
They're definitely keeping me afloat. <laughs> they're making you definitely me fat. float because of all of the takeaways. That is literally the joke I just okay, made. Okay. All right, it's at the end. Next week, we'll be watching a film suggested by my parents, A Fish Called Wonder. Thanks for joining for our chat about green room toilets and a little bit about a film. Uh, send us a message on Instagram. You can recommend us a film. We might watch it. And Even though our podcast is called I Wouldn't Watch. Yeah, it's a joke, you see. All right, bye. <laughs>